This episode of the Langus Cast is still brought to you by no one. Theme music that is not coming is also brought to you by no one. Probably a different no one than the no one who doesn't sponsor things. Now let's get into the show. What just happened there, other than apparently it was a little bit of spontaneous throat singing, kind of. Not quite. I think I'm getting there, though. I would like to learn how to do that. Because that would be fucking rad. Um, anyway, listen to Langus Cast. I said that. Why am I repeating myself? Why am I repeating myself? Why am I talking about repeating myself? Why, what's that all about? What's what's going on with that? Why am I sitting here talking about repeating myself? Why, I'm basically talking about talking about repeating myself at this point now. And then I'm really wondering what's going on. And then it's just like, oh, we're stuck in a repeating myself loop. Okay, let's let's just let's just let's just let that ride out. Maybe uh maybe uh, maybe I'll stop repeating myself. No, no, no. I'm still I'm. Still still saying repeat myself a lot so at the very least i'm repeating myself there i'm repeating myself in that way so <laughs> oh this is this is start off on a dumb note has it not um anyway this uh i decided to uh start talking about the brain surgery experience uh this is probably going to be several uh well I, i'm i'm sure it is going to be several uh Several different episodes telling this whole story. Um, so I guess this is a little bit of the uh, the beginning of it, I guess. I almost said prequel, but I don't... I think every episode coming up to this point is kind of the prequel in a way, because I've been talking about it already happened. No, that's not how prequels work. Prequel is it's pre it's it's before something it's pre whatever it's not post it's not prior it's not it's not named Richard it didn't it didn't uh, it didn't set itself on fire free basing cocaine that was a Richard Pryor joke and then that just made me think of the band High on Fire used to have these shirts uh, and then it had the the logo and it says High on Fire. And then below it was just a big picture of Richard Pryor's face. Just <laughs> if I could get my hands on one of those, that would be uh, that would be killer. The uh, I I I saw one of those shirts again recently and kind of forgot about them and was just like, holy shit, that's hilarious. I, I just I just have to laugh at that every time. It's just. It's just ridiculous on that kind of level that I like to be at. I like to stay on a somewhat ridiculous level if I can. I don't want to stay on the goddamn depressed level that I've been at way too much lately, but but that's that's a whole another talk that I've already been talking about on these episodes. All the shit about not able to find a non-soul-sucking job, and then every time I'd apply to a goddamn job, I feels gross. 
The interview feels gross. Trying to schedule the interview feels gross. Going to the place feels gross. Everything feels fucking gross. Uh, and, then, and then realizing that I have ways I can make my own money. That I'm actually in a good situation to just start figuring that shit out. But then my goddamn mental state gets all fucking all over the place and... It's always been that way, I guess, or at least, at least for my adult life. Well, at least since I was a teenager, it's always been that way. Don't really know if it's been any worse or not necessarily. That I can't, I can't quite tell. It's, um, it's definitely still here though. And then I, then I get mad at myself. I get down about getting down on shit about shit. Don't sleep right. I have points I can't get myself to sleep right no matter what I try to do. Sometimes it's just I can roll with it and I can get through the next day or two. And then other times I think I roll with it. And then and then, uh, and then, and then, and then you get that tired I get that tired thing tired depressed feeling I which is oh the worst it's fucking awful and that's kind of normal for me there's a lot of times when I get the tired I get depressed and it's just like I don't think that's normal I don't think those two things normally go together like that every single time like they do with me well not every single time but it's probably 90 some percent of the time it's it's a hell of a thing. Mm, a lot of times I feel like after the brain surgery stuff, going through that traumatic experience, going through that weird emotional experience, that physically challenging experience, going through what was ultimately... A very long, drawn-out, psychedelic experience, minus the psychedelics. Although anything can be psychedelic, really, if you look at it. If you go deep enough into it, anything can be psychedelic. Having conversations with your grandparents or something can be psychedelic. Hearing stories of the past from the people who lived lived them. I always felt like I was meant to be an old man. I guess uh, we'll get into that here as I get going. This is the ramble part. This is the, this is the, I'm just going to start talking about whatever a bunch part until I, <laughs> until my brain focuses. This is the just let my brain go and do its thing until it loops back around part. Probably familiar with that by now. If you've listened to any of these episodes. <laughs> but, uh, I don't really f fear getting older like a lot of people do. I suppose it's a reminder of death, in a way. And I've come to terms with my own mortality a lot better than most people have. Because of the brain surgery experience, mostly. Also psychedelics. The two of those coupled... Meditation, too. 
studying dreams too. Ah, okay, there's several different things, but uh, whatever. You get my point, I would think. You get the gist. You get the gist there. But uh, I always felt like I was kind of meant to be an old man. That once I got to that point in my life, I'd just be like some weird, eccentric old man telling a whole bunch of crazy stories that are true. I'm beginning so good at telling stories when I'm an old man. That excites me. I also like the idea of like just being able to get away with just kind of doing whatever I want. To a degree, at least. Saying what I want to people, just not giving a fuck and saying what I think truly. Although I feel like I, I, I've, I, I get more and more like that the older I get as it is. And I'm... I'm only in my mid-30s at this point, so I don't know what, what the hell I'll be like by the time I'm 80, because I'm sure with the way things are going, I'll live to be past 100. John Barn Owl in par Purgatory told me that. Well, didn't really tell me that. Told me that I'd live to be a very old age. That I'd live a long life. Also told me that I'd die in a really ridiculous way. I don't know what it is, Just I just know that it's ridiculous, according to the giant barn owl in purgatory that talked to me. <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. So, let's get back to the brain surgery story. Um, this story, let's see, it's 2021. As we tell this story, um, this all goes back to... 2016 probably before that looking back on it um there were definitely signs of the tumor that i had years before 2016 i i i started thinking about that the other night and i think i'd say at least five years before that that the the, the signs are showing maybe more and I just didn't really, I guess it wasn't bad enough to do anything about it. I didn't realize that there was a fucking tumor growing in my neck, into my brainstem. Um, what I'm talking about is I was diagnosed with a thing called a glomus jugular tumor, which is, uh, it's a vascular tumor. And uh, it grows out of your jugular vein. And then it just kind of starts taking up space in your neck until it starts... Basically, it will start growing up into your ear canal one way. And then it will start growing backwards because there's space the other way. And then uh, and then if you let it go long enough, it'll eventually grow into your brain stem. Uh, it gives you all sorts of uh, nerve damage and whatnot. And then... Uh, Basically, then you die a slow, agonizing death as it just fucks up everything. And then eventually it gets to the point where it fucks up your brain your brainstem enough that your brain doesn't regulate your breathing anymore, and then you die. So that's, that's fun stuff to think about. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Much better ways to die. I can tell you that much. Oh, shit. I gotta stretch a little bit here. There we go. 
So anyway, I started having these weird issues. Uh, I noticed that I was losing the hearing in my left ear, which was the, the left side was the side the tumor was on. Um, and then uh, eventually I started noticing weird things like I could hear my heartbeat inside of my ear because of it being vascular tissue. So a big old vast fucking vein covered <laughs> tumor is growing inside of my ear canal so I can hear my heartbeat. Especially like when I exercise, exercise and stuff, even even at points where I was experiencing anxiety, I, I, I would start hearing it, my heart beat inside of my own ear. It, it was a weird thing. And I didn't really understand what was going on. It, it, that went on a little while. I, I, I'm kind of, it's kind of ridiculous how long I let that go on, but. And sometimes I look back on that going, what if I found this sooner? But the thing is, I don't... What Basically, from what the doctors told me, that it's such a rare thing that they wouldn't have found it sooner. They, uh, It would have been... They would have just kept thinking it was a sister or whatever, like they did when I initially went in. And... Uh, um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit before I get into the initial going to the doctor. I'm going to try to keep this in chronological order as best as my scattered brain can do. So, start having these weird issues, and then the weird issues start progressing. The, um, I'm, I'm noticing more hearing loss. I'm noticing my heartbeat even stronger, more often, inside of my ear. Um, I start getting like ear infections and stuff because the tumor is blocking off my ear canal and it's fucking things up that way. Um, so, and then, and then, uh, I also start getting, uh, dizzy spells where I, I would just start getting really dizzy and I, I can have bad sinus issues and sometimes that can make me dizzy if my sinuses are fucked up that day. So, like, I, I, I'd gotten used to pushing through that. Because usually, I, I, if it would happen in the morning, if it was a sinus issue, and I would get up and just kind of push through it, eventually, once I'm up for the day, moving around, head starts draining, whatever, dizziness goes away and goes back. But it wasn't really the same dizziness as that. Uh, it, it was more more of a vertigo sort of dizziness like regular dizziness just kind of you just feel like you're kind of going around in a circle over and over right and and it, it, it it'll it can go away and whatever but like the, the i get these vertigo-y sort of dizziness where like it, it would go different directions at different times it would get brought on by the weirdest things, like just shifting my eyes, which still happens. I, I still have to live with the vertigo. Um, luckily, it doesn't really happen a whole lot. And a lot of times when it does, I can, I, can, uh, I can stop it in its tracks. I can take my medication, whatever. It, it doesn't usually take me out like it does... Even though sometimes if I get a bad vertigo spell, I'm just I'm done for that day. It just wipes me out. Um, it, it's just 
I'm, it'll make me tired and and it's just that's it <laughs> and then I'll, I'll just have to rest for the rest of that day basically rest for the rest rest for the rest of the day rest for the remainder of the day there we go got rid of the d redundancy took that redundancy right the fuck out of there now I keep saying redundancy, so now my redundancy is in within the word of redundancy, I guess. Though I don't know if I'm really being redundant here, this is just being more repetitive. I almost said repetitive, and I'm like, what the hell is that? The hell is that word? What the hell is that word I'm talking about? So anyway, I started having problems getting dizzy and whatnot on top of all the other problems, which was not a good thing um, because I was uh, I was doing a delivery job at that point, so I was driving around a lot. I was drive I was a lot of the times driving about a hundred miles a shift doing deliveries, and. That's all city driving traffic, too, so there's a lot to pay attention. That wasn't 100 miles of highway driving every day, which probably would have been kind of rad for the most part. But um, it was uh, creating an issue with my job and things. I wasn't sleeping very well. I was starting to get like a lot of the tired depression that I mentioned before going on all the goddamn time. And then I swear if it wasn't that, it was just anger. Because I used to be really good at covering up emotions that I didn't want to deal with with anger. Because that's healthy. It's healthy to let out anger in certain ways, but at the same time, don't be covering shit up with anger. Fucking bullshit that society tells us that men are basically only allowed to feel certain emotions. Basically, you can be happy, you can be angry, and horny, like Chris Porter says. Happy, angry, and horny. That's about it. <laughs> and then he says horniness is just a mix of, <laughs> of happiness and anger. And I forget how he explains that. He has a funny way of explaining that, which, whatever. Yeah. Go watch Chris Porter's A Man from Kansas special. It's one of my favorites. But anyway, um, so this tumor, before I knew it was a tumor, it was causing issues, and it was getting worse and worse. And eventually I got to the point where... I was starting to get really bad ear infections and things, and I could hear the fluid moving around in my ear, like uh, like when you get water in your ear after you go swimming. And I just thought it was just, I don't know, water trapped in my ear or some shit. And I was sitting on my couch one night. I had the night off from work. I'm sitting there, I'm playing video games and whatnot. And... I'm just kind of fucking with my ear, like sticking my, like, you know how you stick your finger in your ear and then kind of create the pressure and then kind of, you pull it out at a little bit of an angle and you kind of create that pop with your ear, you know, like, oh, and it's the second Tuesday of the month, I hear the, I hear the air raid sirens going off, either that or a tornado's happening, uh, it's about 11 a.m. And it's definitely the second 
Wednesday of the month, so you might hear a little sort of like I can't do the noise. You might hear that in the background. Probably not. I probably don't need to worry about it. Whatever. Moving on. Where was I? I digress. This is this is the problem here. I don't focus. This is what every every teacher in school told me. Have you just focused? Well, a lot of teachers told me that. A lot. Uh, there's also a lot of teachers that told me that I was an intelligent kid, and that I would do much better if I was interested in what I was doing. And, uh, and looking back on them, I'm still that way. If I'm interested in something, I'll do well at it. If I'm not, I don't give a shit. I don't fucking care. Oop, there goes the sirens again. And, um... Ah, getting rambly. Getting rambly. Let's get back on track of the beginnings of the brain surgery shit. So I'm sitting, um... I had the night off from work. I'm sitting, uh... Playing video games on my couch and... I can hear all this fluid in my ear, and I'm I'm popping it right, like like you do after you go swimming with my finger, with my finger in my ear hole, and uh, and I pop something in it, and I feel all this liquid coming out of my ear, and it was kind of a relief for a second, and I was just like, oh holy shit, that was a lot in there, and I'm like, oh god, it's still going, it's this is fucking weird, and all of a sudden. I realized that it's not water or anything going coming out of my ear. It's fucking blood. So that's 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 a cause of concern. <laughs> Looking back on it, it was uh, strange. It, it was strange how unconcerned I was about all the blood coming out of my ear like that because it wasn't thick blood. It, I could tell it was mixed with like pus or something. It was really thin. It was almost kind of pink a little pinkish a little bit it was that thin and like very light red colored compared to normal blood and i've had head injuries and shit happen before and some of them weren't even that bad but they bled a lot because you just you have a lot of blood in your head so i'm just kind of like eh this is not right and then my roommate comes downstairs and finds me in the bleeding out of my ear in the into the bathroom sink so that I don't make a mess. And, and I realized, yeah, I got a lot of blood coming out of my ears, so I gotta... I gotta go to the doctor, but I didn't have insurance, so I ended up going to urgent care. But before I did that, I had to take a picture and post it on Facebook and just being like, all this blood came out of my ear as you do, and not explain it, <laughs> right before I went to the doctor, which then caused a bunch of people to freak out, telling me to go to the doctor, and I'm like seeing these messages like, I'm at the doctor, just chill out, just, just post a picture of my bloody sink and said it all came out of my ear, God, calm down people. <laughs> So I end up going to the doctor, and pretty much what that got down to was, do you feel lightheaded? No. Do you 
feel it does it hurt no this is so because i didn't feel lightheaded and there was no pain they weren't worried about it and that was kind of where i was at too i'm like it doesn't hurt i don't feel lightheaded i it's, it's probably a cyst or something like they're saying they they because they're they're looking down down my ear canal with the scope and they're saying they can see a flesh colored whatever in there which turned out it was the tumor but they didn't know it was the tumor they just assumed I had some sort of cyst, and apparently cysts can have plus cause your ear to bleed, pussy ear bleeding. So that's that. I go home, think everything's fine. I'm still having all these issues that I was having, and they're getting worse and worse. And it's getting to the point that I can't really work anymore because I, I, I don't know when I'm getting dizzy. I, I can't, I'm not sleeping right and shit. I got this lump in my neck, like up under my jaw, like back behind my ear, I'm starting to notice like this lump growing, and I'm starting to realize that this is probably something more serious than just a cyst in my ear canal, so I keep going back to doctors, they, nobody's figuring anything out, because it's a rare thing, nobody thought to look at it, so... I think, uh, so I went from December in 2016 to, it was that spring was when I started to go, really start going back to the doctors. And I, uh, that was a whole frustrating waiting game because it was just, let's go to this doctor. Uh, we can't figure it out. We'll refer you to this doctor though. But you have to wait like weeks to get in. So it's like, go to the next doctor. Oh, we can't figure this shit out either. But we think we'll refer you to this other doctor. And then that goes on, so on and so forth, until it's about... Ah, shit. I'm trying to remember if it's June. It was either, like, I think it was late June. Early July-ish. I think it was late June. Whatever. Doesn't matter. So, it gets into the like, earlier part of the summer, where finally I got referred to a specialized enough doctor that he recognized that what it might be and uh so he took a biopsy which fucking was awful i i've i've i can tolerate a lot of pain and i i i've i've done it a lot of my life and i can do that i have the ability to do that but something about the pain, the sharp shooting pain from inside of your ear canal of this biopsy, and it's like shooting through my whole face, and my eyes start raw watering. I'm just gonna like, oh shit, it hurts. Oh, it's such a sharp, specific stabbing pain of a hurt. It's so intense and it's so sharp, and I'm just shit. And I remember the doctor's looking at me like, you all right? I'm like, just do what you need to do. I just. Uh. <laughs> So that happens, and then there's a little bit of time that passes. Um, I'm freaking out a little bit because it's a biopsy. So I start thinking cancer. And he said something, the doctor said something about, something about a, um, a tumor, thinking it could possibly be a tumor, but he didn't say what kind of tumor. And so, biopsy, tumor talk, I'm like, shit. Like, god damn it. I, I'm not... I'm not liking this. I'm, I'm thinking cancer and stuff. 
like I said. So, there's a little bit of time that passes um, with the um, biopsy. We get the results of the biopsy, and the doctor calls back, and I'm, <laughs> I was actually in the drive-thru of the bank. I was at the bank drive-thru uh, when the doctor called me to tell me the results of the biopsy. And I'd been waiting in line for a little while, so I just answered the phone knowing it was the doctor. Like, I, I, I should have just backed up and got out of the, the line. I don't think there... Or maybe there was... There might have actually been somebody behind me. Either way, I didn't I didn't just get out of line um, when the doctor called me and then decide I'm going to start... And then start doing my bank things, my... <laughs> bake deposit and stuff while I'm on the phone with the doctor which, which I don't know why the hell I did that so I'm sitting there and the doctor's telling me I have this this tumor and at this point I had already figured out what I had I, I, I was prepared for them to tell me that's what it was that it was this glamis jugular tumor this weird pretty rare thing and I wasn't too surprised when he gave me the news and I'm in the middle of talking to the bank teller, trying to talk to the doctor. I'm trying to explain to each of them what's going on, but I'm doing a real bad job of it because I'm trying to listen to everybody at once and not really getting much of anything and, until the doctor's like, yeah, you have this thing called a glomus jugular tumor. It's a vascular tumor. Da, 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 da. You're, probably, you're You're going to need surgery to fix this and all this stuff. And I'm going to refer you to this doctor that I studied under who will be able to perform this surgery on this. So I'm going to refer you to this doctor. Da, da, da. So we're having this serious conversation about things. And and I'm sitting there trying to talk to the bank teller, trying to do the thing. And, and then the doctor is just kind of like, are you all right? And I'm just kind of like, it's not a tumor. Because my stupid comedic brain in situations like that, the way that it copes with things is with humor usually. So in a fucking weird situation like that where I realize like things are fucked up and there's nothing I can do, I'm going to start cracking stupid jokes. <laughs> so that's what I start doing. And the doctor's sitting there going, it's, but it is a tumor. And I'm just like, it's not a tumor. And then... And then, uh, and then the bank teller is really thoroughly confused by this point. <laughs> but, uh, so I get the news about all that. Um, and then, uh, not long after that, I started getting the vertigo spells a lot worse than I had. And they usually kicked in while I was driving. So I wasn't working really much. I was cutting back on work and stuff. Because I work, the, the the company I worked for, they they were super cool about it. They understood I was going through a hell of a thing, and they just said I need just said take the time I need, do what you do, be safe. Like that's what they were concerned about. They were concerned about you know my safety, anyone else's safety on the road. It's just they, it's the right thing. They were good people, good company, and. So, there was a lot of sitting around. Um, like, basically, like, I, did I say this before? I said this before on another thing, but... Um, 
So it got down to this whole thing where I was forced to come to terms with a lot of things because I, 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 I had a lot of time to think. I wasn't working at all at this point. Um, I was waiting for the surgery to happen. So I had to wait from basically, I think it was late June until early August. It was August 1st, 2017. I will always remember that day. And uh, so I had to wait a long time. So once I was diagnosed and once I got referred to this other doctor, it took a, it took a while to um, actually have the, the surgery done because with the location of it being in the neck and being that the tumor grows around all your nerves and everything that runs up through, like up through your jaw into your brain and stuff in your, all your nerves and blood vessels and everything that the surgery has to be done by this team of specialized surgeons where, well, it was actually three different surgeons because uh, the, there was, I had to, I had a procedure before the big surgery called an embolization, which is basically where they went in through my hip, up through whatever, what is that big, what is that big huge artery that goes down to your leg and stuff? I can't remember now. But they, like, they go, they would go up through that, through my heart and everything, and then uh, basically blew up this balloon thing in my neck, which cut out, cut, cut off the circulation to the tumor, uh, because if they don't do that, um, you can, you would, you would bleed out during the surgery. So you had to have the surgeon do the embolization the day before, and then you needed the two other surgeons to do the big surgery. Um, there needed to be two of these specialized surgeons because of the location of it, um, Basically, a neurosurgeon had to do half of the surgery, and then a head and neck surgeon had to do the other half of the surgery. So they had to get three different surgeon schedules together, and um, and it could only be these certain surgeons because they it's a very specialized procedure. And and uh, so I had all this time. To think. I had a lot of time to sit around and think, but at the same time, all that time I had, it was also a very short amount of time. Because I had I knew I had to get the surgery or I'd be dead in the next three to four years. Um that's basically what the doctor told me, like, you cannot have the surgery and this'll happen. And I'm sitting there, like, and I, and right away when the doctor told me what was up about the surgery, I'm like, yeah, we'll do the surgery. And he's just sitting there like, well, you can think about it. And, and I'm just sitting there like, what what is there to think about? It's either I go through this gnarly surgery with, like, a 93% survival rate or whatever it was, because I looked up all this shit when I found out what the tumor was. And like it was like a ninety three percent survival rate or something like that. It might have even been higher. It might have been like ninety six. Whatever, ninety some very high survival rate. And the only reason that the survival rate wasn't basically a hundred percent was because a lot of times um, it's older people 
who develop this specific tumor and then they have complications with the anesthesia or complications with the surgery or whatever. So being young, being, what was I, 32 at the time, yeah, I would have been, yeah, because all this shit happened pretty much right before my 33rd birthday. So I was 32. So like as a 32-year-old, it's just kind of like, I don't think I have to worry about all that. So it's a very slim chance anything will go awry with the surgery. So yeah, cut my fucking head open. Get that goddamn thing out of there. What is there to think about? Like, let's just do it. We got to do it. Because it's either that or it's it's a, a, a diet slow agonizing death and I'm only going to have a few years left to live and I won't even be able to truly live most of those years most likely because it's just the nerve damage will progressively get worse and worse and it that's no so yeah like let's do it and I'm like what like to me it was the easiest difficult decision I ever made in my life because it's just I, the options there, it just it was obvious to me what to do, and the doctors just kept saying, "Are you sure you would think about it?" I'm like, well, there's nothing to think about. It's just we gotta do it. So I have all this time, and and it's just all that anxiety, knowing that you're gonna get your head cut open, and all this shit, and and just knowing that I was gonna deal with a lot of unknowns for a long time after this, and in coming to terms with my own mortality at a young age, and, like, and that in itself, like, a lot of people, like, uh, people take their entire life before they come to terms with that sort of thing, and I had about a month to come to terms with that suddenly, like, it's just very suddenly, too, which I guess is just kind of how those things kind of things tend to work there's not really any way you can really be prepared for it so it just it hits you whenever and I was having a hard time coping with all this feeling like some of the first moments of many to come where I started to feel like I was starting to lose my goddamn mind and I was realizing I needed a way to cope with that and I knew drinking was not going to help. I, I had already been trying to keep my drinking at a decent place off and on. I was definitely going through heavy drinking cycles still. But the times, this, the, the, the parts of the cycle between the heavy drinking were becoming longer and longer. So I, w I, was, I was realizing that... Uh, that that wasn't the way to deal with things. I was working on it. I wasn't making progress. So I knew drinking, like if I started drinking and stuff, that was not going to be good at all. And uh, it was when my marijuana use started to get very, very heavy. Because um, I found it helped. I found that it made me look at my emotions I was feeling. And it was... It was helping me to think in a way that I could deal with things. It was helping me to look at things from a perspective that I, I could, could cope with it in healthy ways. And so that's how I started meditating a lot. 
during that time. Basically, what I just got down to was weed and meditation. Like, just smoking or eating a ton of fucking weed and and just meditating a lot, as, as much as I can, basically. A lot of times I'd fall asleep and stuff. I, I'd meditate and fall asleep and it's just like, well, I needed the rest, so I guess whatever needed to happen happened, so that, that's fine. So weed and meditate, meditation was was uh, my coping techniques. They were working. And I got to a point where I was really freaking out about the whole thing, where I thought I was dealing with it better than I was, and then started started freaking out because it's a freaky thing. A couple of surgeons are going to open your head up and take this thing that's fucking up your brainstem and stuff out. Like, just, goddamn, that's, that's a lot to... It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to take in. There's a lot to think about. And it wasn't like an emergency surgery, so I just, just had to sit around thinking about all this shit. So one night, um, got on the edibles, or no. No, I think I had an edible and then smoked after I ate the edible is what happened. But I smoked a lot after I ate the edible and the thing about edibles is um, people don't realize that cannabis is actually a psychedelic um, it's not a super powerful psychedelic but um, if you eat it your body uh, your body breaks it down in a different way than it does when you smoke it um, it gets broke down in your liver as opposed to through your bloodstream or whatever um, so eating edibles affects you differently than smoking. And on a high doses of edibles, you can start tripping. I've had basically like low-level mushroom trips off of high doses of edibles. And I never really had that happen really at that point. And I didn't really know what was going on exactly and just kind of realized I was starting to trip out. And, um, so I went and laid down on my bed, started doing a meditation exercise. And then I went somewhere, I went somewhere else. Um, I went to this place that I call, I call it the vast black, black realm, even though it's not really black. Um, it's, it's just the absence of light. It's the absence of everything. It, it, it's just literally what I think purgatory must be. Maybe it is what purgatory is. Um, I suspect it's, it's between the physical and spiritual world after I've been there. Because I've been there on multiple psychedelics. I've been there through dreams. Um, I've even been there a little bit through just meditation certain meditation practices with different breathing exercises and whatnot. Um, so I kind of knew what was going on a little bit. And so I'm in this place of pure nothingness. It's just 
I don't even know if I have a body anymore or anything, but I just know that my consciousness, my being is, is, is here in nothing. And it was, it was kind of relaxing because there was nothing there to worry about. Good or bad. It was just purely neutral. It just, it, it was what it was. And so there's always a point where I get there and there's nothing at first, but then eventually I'll start seeing different things in this realm of nothingness, this purgatory realm, this vast black realm, dimension, whatever. And things start appearing, uh, they start to appear and, um, they're usually some sort of, sometimes it's some sort of actual being that teaches me something about myself. Sometimes it's some sort of imagery or I see something else. Either way, something will start to appear there that will teach me something about myself. Or that will point something out to me. Whatever. And this giant barn owl appears. And I'd say he was maybe like 12 feet tall and white. Just this all white giant barn owl towering over me. And I start talking to it. <laughs> start talking to him, this giant barn owl. Oh, excuse me here. <coughs> don't worry, I covered my mouth when I coughed. So you don't get audio COVID or something. I'm vaccinated though, so I don't have COVID. <laughs> so I'm talking to this giant white barn owl. And... He has this very regal, booming voice. He can talk. He's this all-knowing being. So, I start asking this barn owl questions. But the strange thing was, he would only answer me with yes or no. So I'm asking a series of yes or no questions, because I realize this fucking giant barn owl knows everything. It's this all-knowing being. It's some sort of... I'm like, is this God? Is this the creator? Is this whatever you want to call it showing itself to me in this form of a 12-foot-tall white giant barn owl? So, I'm asking a series of yes or no questions. And eventually it leads to me asking like questions about my own death. And there's this one point where I ask if I'm going to die a peaceful death. And he says no. 
And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. I'm like, damn, am I going to die a violent death? And he says, no. And I'm sitting there thinking about this. I'm like, so if I don't die a peaceful death, but I also don't die a violent death, what is there? And then I just go, am I going to die a ridiculous death? And he says, yes. And I'm sitting there and I even asked him, I'm like, what does that even mean? A ridiculous death. But he says nothing because I didn't, he, he will only answer yes or no questions. It was like, it was like he was letting me find my own answers in a way. And then I would find it and then he would confirm it. It was, it was what it felt like. And at one point during all this, I start realizing that maybe this barn owl is part of me or I'm part of it or, or something like that. Somehow there's this connection that we're actually one. I'm getting a little ahead of the story here. So, let me digress. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about the ridiculous death. And I'm like, how can I die a ridiculous death? And, and eventually it gets to the point where I'm like, okay. So I asked the barn owl, I'm like, will I live a long life? And he says, yes. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to live to be an old man but I'm going to die a ridiculous death. Like, how could that be? So I, so I started thinking about it, even just deeper, just diving deeper into the thoughts of this. And I go, okay. So I'm like, so when I die, is it because of something that I did something that I shouldn't have been doing at my old age? And then it was just kind of to the point that then then I end up dying because of it. And then it's sad because I died. And then everybody just kind of goes, well, he was super old and it was bound to happen sooner or later anyway. I'm like, is that the kind of thing that's going to happen? And the barn owl goes, yes. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. So now I know I'm going to live a long life. And at that moment, any of the anxiety... Anything I had about the surgery or any of that, just it, it just went away. Or at least the, the fear of dying went away at that point. So I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about not making it through the surgery. It, it, just, it, seemed, it was real. It was vivid. It, I was there. It, and I believed this giant owl in purgatory. And so anyway, as I was saying, like as I'm asking these questions of this all, 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 all knowing owl, that's a little bit of a tongue twister, the all, the all knowing owl. So I'm asking the all, the all, the all knowing owl, pretty much all the questions about everything and anything. 
And I'm starting to realize that that I'm somehow connected to this owl, that it's a part of it, or I'm a part of, or it's a part of me, or, or, or something like that. And it, it, I start making that connection, and and eventually, as I make that connection, this other being shows up. But this one is really grotesque. This one is very scary very disturbing very because as freaky as a giant barn owl was i i was never freaked out about it but this other one it's the same size as me well it's shorter than me because it's a skeleton with no legs right so the skeleton and it's a bloody skeleton too um it's it's a bloody skeleton with no legs. There, there's like chunks of flesh and things, chunks of like ligaments and muscle, whatever, still attached to parts of the bone. The way, the best way I can explain it is, I think it's it's like a like a corpse was left out in the desert and the vultures got to it, sort of thing. Like it was just picked clean of everything, for the most part, but it was freshly picked clean, so it was still bloody. It had no legs. Um, it just had had just a bit of spine hanging down from. There's no hips or anything. It was just the just spine hanging down from the rib cage, and it walked upright on its hands. So this fucking bloody skeleton with no legs walks up to me on its hands, and I'm just kind of like, "Holy shit! What the fuck is that? <laughs> the fuck are you?" And I realized that this one is like a manifestation of the dark side of my personality. Because I realized this one is definitely part of me. Or whatever. And then it's like realize that these beings are definitely connected. And I remember talking to the skeleton some. And at one point I'm talking to the skeleton and the barn owl back and forth a little bit. And I don't really remember anything that the skeleton said. Other than that... I remember him being kind of funny. I remember that, but I don't really remember the specifics. I remember him being funny in a disturbing kind of way. And that's it. Because I I realized in that moment that I, I shouldn't listen to anything that 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 the skeleton had to say at that point that was just the dark side talking and i didn't need to deal with that at that point and i realized that i didn't need to feed it i didn't need to give it my energy i didn't need to give it my attention too much i needed to be aware that it was existed and that was about it i didn't i didn't need to make it more than what it was I don't need a giant 12-foot bloody skeleton and a barn owl or some shit like that. Thinking, like, giving it more power and it just becomes giant or something. (laughs) So it's kind of like I came to terms with, like, the darkness of things and realized, like, I can't focus on that. I need to know that it's there, but I I can't feed that thing. So I just mostly ignored it. And would 
go back to talking to it and then the barn because it was kind of like the skeleton was kind of distracting me from what the barn owl was saying at different points so there was that and then eventually a third being shows up and this one I don't really know how to explain it I realized it was a being that represented the part of my personality, my, my sense of humor, my humorous part of my personality. And the best way that I did, can describe this one was that it was like a pill shape, and it was floating, sort of. There's no ground, but if there was ground, it would have been like just kind of hovering above the ground, floating. And it was translucent. Parts of it were translucent. Parts of it looked solid. Um, there was like a clown, a poof, a, a red poofy clown wig, kind of like a poof uh, towards the top of it out of one side. It had a, it had like a red clown nose stuck on it, kind of crooked to where you would think its face should be. It was different colors. I remember green and red being in it quite a bit. There was some blue, some yellow. There were some other colors, I think, too. And I'm looking at this thing like, what the fuck is this thing? And then I start realizing that it's my sense of humor. It's that aspect of my personality. And... I guess the best way I can describe it is that it was a non-physical being trying to manifest itself into physical form without completely understanding what physical form actually is. And then it was trying to manifest itself into a clown. Also, not really understanding what a clown is. And that is, that's how I realized it was my sense of humor when I started to like break it down like that and start to figure this out. And then realized that this thing existing in this way in itself is absolutely fucking hilarious. So I start to try to talk to that one like I do the others, but it's not going as well. And it would just, it would honk at me. It'd be like, Meh. like, uh, it's like, what the fuck? And then I'd just kind of get pissed, and then I'd laugh. Or I would just straight up laugh. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is obviously my fucking strange sense of humor, so... Got this ethereal pill clown thing that, that can't quite do what it's trying to do. Got the bloody skeleton, got the giant owl. Um... Those are the main three that I remember. There was some others that I don't even know how to explain. There was, I'm pretty sure there was one that, uh, that had no physical form that just sort of telepathically communicated with me. So there's, there's a lot of it that I remember clearly, I guess the important parts at least, or at least the parts that I can understand... I remember it very clearly, vividly, to this day. The owl, the skeleton, the pill clown thing, whatever. Um, 
I remember there was another entity that was mainly kind of green and blue energy. And it was kind of made up of geometric shapes and it kind of floated there like the clown thing too. But it wasn't as ridiculous as the clown. I don't know, that one I can't really... I remember there was kind of tri there was triangles in it. It was like an upside down triangle and then another triangle or like whatever different triangles at different angles stacked on top of each other kinda. There was that. I think maybe there've been like some glowing white parts of it within the blues and the greens and the yellows and I don't know. That that one that one is hard to explain, and I don't really know. That one just kind of observed, from what I remember. I think that one was just a sort of observer. It was there to watch over things or something. I don't know. I don't remember actually communicating with that one, but I was aware it was there, and it was aware of me, and I could tell that. Like, it was letting me know it was aware of me. Uh, And this feels like it lasts like like hours long. And the next thing I know, I wake up in my bed and realize it's morning. It's like eight or nine hours later. I remember I woke up feeling the most at ease with everything that I'd been feeling throughout this whole experience so far. And I felt comforted. I felt like everything that was supposed to be happening was happening the way that it was meant to. I just... I don't know. It was a, it was a definite turning point for me during the whole thing. And I just knew that whatever ended up happening, that in the long run, everything was going to be okay. That's what I felt. I wasn't going to die young. I wasn't... It's just... It's just everything that needed to happen was happening the way that it needed to be. So, I'm going to leave this one off there. Seems like a good place to stop. Good bookmark. And, uh, continue with uh, part two here. Eventually here, afterwards. And, uh, we'll go on with the full story of the weirdness of my brain surgery experience. So, thanks for listening to this here the Langus cast show and uh, until next time keep yourselves well and uh, good luck and Godspeed